Thank you guys very much. These guys have been practicing all week to try to pull all that together. So um, it's not like they just get to show up and it all just magically <laughs> happens. I really appreciate the effort that Michelle and her friends put in every week to, to help open up for us. So thanks, guys. Appreciate that. Some of you have probably heard me talk about um, a theologian uh, scholar by the name of Pete Enns. <clears throat> Pete was a professor um, for years until he got fired, and he's a professor again. He's written a number of books uh, on theology. He's kind of an expert in um, the Old Testament. And I read an article that he wrote not that long ago about being a servant. Oh, I guess it's probably been written a couple of years back. And it had the substance of a teaching that kind of took me by surprise. And I'm, I'm pulling out an excerpt from this to share with you because not that I want you to feel bad about the way that you serve or your approach to servanthood, but I want us to think about what he's saying and maybe crawl a little bit deeper into what we're called to be. In this article that Pete wrote, he said this, in a culture that has long that long has the social stigma of slavery, the difference between serving someone and being a servant can be lost on us. I'll speak for myself when I say, I want to have my cake and eat it too. I want to serve the slaves, but I don't want to be one. I want to help the less fortunate, but I don't want to be less fortunate. Serving takes my time and my energy, but being a servant takes my identity and my social status. Being a servant takes my identity and my social status. In this article, he goes on to explain that he sees a difference in doing things for people and doing things with people. Do you understand what I'm saying? When I was, I'm a philosophy major, and when I was in undergrad, there was this discussion, this debate, about whether or not altruism really exists, whether or not we can do something good for someone without it just being because it makes us feel good about ourselves. And I think that's part of the article, part of the point of the article that, that Pete was writing, was to ask ourselves, when, when you serve, when you give, do you serve and do you give, do we all do this, fall into the trap of this? Do we serve and do we give in a way that just reinforces a power structure? Right? I've been to the benefit auctions, and I think benefit auctions are fantastic. I mean, it's a really fantastic way to give. But it is an interesting aspect of society where we allow people to become so wealthy that they can show up for a party that is intended to give to people who don't even have a house. And so the point of Pete's article was are we living in structures? Are we living structurally 
in ways that just reinforce power structures so that we can give on our own terms. So that we can give as it's convenient and we can make decisions about how much we're willing to do to make the lives of other people better. You know, Jesus talks about this idea of a kind of superiority in leadership, a superiority complex that can come in giving that allows some people to make the determination as to who will be invited to sit at the table, who will be helped, and how much. There was an article that I I read here recently written by an author by the name of Elizabeth Klein, and she's kind of an expert, kind of an author and a journalist who tracks fast fashion. Do you know what I mean by fast fashion? Uh, This idea that, some nod of the heads, this idea that fashion is just constantly churning out products for us to buy. It's, It's this idea of constant consumerism, right? That we're constantly taking things from the environment, from this world, to make things that we buy that we don't need, but we just love to have the new stuff. We just can't stop buying the newest shirt, the newest jeans, the newest hat, right? All these things come from a place. This is a picture from the Instagram that I think is hers that she had cited in this article that I'd read, No Clothes on a Dead Planet. And part of her work has been on what they call ethical consumerism. This idea that we all have an obligation to think about what we buy. Patagonia ran this ad ad a couple years ago where they showed a new jacket and they said, don't buy this jacket. This is a new jacket that we're putting out. Don't buy it. Now, you can argue whether or not that's a gimmick, but the idea ties into this whole bigger concept that we all have a choice to make. But see, in this article that Elizabeth Klein wrote, she said, ethical consumerism is tantamount to this idea that Pete Enns is talking about where you're just making a decision in a way that's convenient to you about what you will buy and what you won't buy. What the real problem is, is the structure of the world around us that allows for us to have these choices in the first place, that gives us these choices. The structure that puts people in poverty the structure that has us taking and depleting forests. You cannot buy plastic, but as long as there are companies that create plastic, there is the source of the problem. I thought it was an interesting read, and I will tell you that she said, it's not, it's not just that the structure is a problem, you also have an obligation, right? What you buy matters, and what you don't buy matters. But it's not just that. It's getting to the root of these issues. Richard Rohr says, love is not something that you do. Love is something that you are. And it challenges me to think about whether or not I just want to be able to do things for people from my place of privilege. I heard someone say one time, If you're with someone who's dying, and you aren't willing to trade places with them, 
you're not trying hard enough. And I, I honestly can't decide what to do with that. I'm not sure what to do with that. For a long time, I thought, well, that can't be right. I mean, that, what did I, I didn't do anything. Like, why would I have to take, why would I have to switch plate? It's ironic that I'm caught in that trap. But I have, and I worship a God who, without any reason, took that head on for me. In Matthew, Jesus speaks to this issue. Matthew chapter 20, he says, When the ten heard about this, and I don't have the background for this. I apologize. Let me back up. Somebody's mama comes to advocate for them in the face of Jesus. Do you all know this story? Somebody's mama comes to advocate for them as the story kind of is told and wants her kids to be at the right hand of Jesus when it's all said and done. She wants a good place for their kids, for her kids, right? She thinks her kids are special, so it seems. And she comes to Jesus and says, hey, my boys are special. And when the disciples heard about this, because there were two of them, they were indignant with the two brothers and Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. But not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And you know the part that we focus on, right? Any of you who grew up in mainline Protestant churches, the focus of that whole passage is on the ransom. The ransom that Christ paid for all of us. How many of us have heard sermons on the ransom? Everybody in here who's been in church for any substantial period of time has heard a message on the ransom. But the whole point of leading into that are the words of Christ who says, look man, your life is not yours. And that is a pill that is so big for most of us to swallow. Because what is the truth? The truth is we think our life is ours. And we want to make the decisions about how much of it we'll give on our own terms. And hear me, good people, I am not saying this. I'm not throwing this out there as some way to try to make you feel bad about how you give. Or to give to the church. I've never given a sermon like that in my life. I don't think Jesus wants us to feel bad. I don't think that shame has any role to play in healthy religion. I think he wants us to be awake. I think he wants us to be aware. 
of what we're doing and why we're doing it so that we can move to a place of service and servanthood and submission that is beyond our ego. And in alignment with this place that we just have a hard time believing can really be true. In Matthew chapter 10, there's a conversation that Jesus has in which he tells the disciples he's sending them out. And he's sending them out as sheep among wolves. Somebody tell me what's wrong with that graphic. Anybody? It's a wolf among sheep, people. It's a wolf among sheep. I called Whitney later today, and I'm like, uh, that's not a sheep among wolves. That's a wolf among sheep, and that weirds me out. And she said, I just can't find any, Ben. I'm sorry, there are none. But there's a lot of a wolf among sheep. A sheep among wolves, hear me. Not a wolf among sheep. But I love this because it's ironic. What is valued in this world? The wolves. The wolves are valued in this world. The term sheep has actually become some kind of way to, a way to put people down these days. You're all just sheep. It's interesting to me. I was on a YouTube rabbit hole. Oh, good. This was a year ago. And I fell into this really dark place on YouTube. Anybody ever done that before, by the way? A couple of you. Uh, and I found this series called The Elephant Room. Anybody ever seen this series? It was a, it was a series that had a, a number of high-profile Protestant ministers who had come together. Um, and, and look, if you like these guys, it's totally fine. But it was guys like Stephen Furtick, and Christy has watched his sermons for years. I don't usually point out people because I'm not trying to make the point at their expense. But in this conversation, um, among these, these guys, it was all, it was all men. Um, and look, it was at times misogynistic and homophobic and lots of things wrong with it. But there was, a, in, my, in my personal view, my theology... But there was a conversation at one point in which they asked, what do we do with the wolves? Literally, what do we do with the wolves? They were talking about teachers who teach God's word in the wrong way. I'm sure I would be on their list. I don't register with those guys. They don't care about me. But people who aren't teaching in the way that they think should be taught, what do we do with the wolves? Any guesses as to what they said they do with the wolves? We shoot them. We shoot wolves. We got to take them out. Right? It's this idea of strength through violence that permeates our culture. And Christ comes along and he tells us, that's, that's, not, that's not what strength is. I'm going to flip this upside down on you guys. You find yourself by losing yourself. You find your life by losing your life. Weakness is strength. First is last. I'm sending you out as a sheep among wolves, which speaks to the danger, the risk 
the sacrifice that he knows we make. I think a lot of times we consider what we're doing as this space where we invite people into our house, right? We invite people into our house to give them warmth, to give them food, when really I think what Jesus is doing is he sent disciples out to go into their house. He wants us to go be with people. He wants us to find a place of lower ground, to lower ourselves in vulnerability and humility so that everybody is human, fully human, so that we serve not because it makes us feel good about ourselves, but because we recognize this life is not ours. This isn't mine. You know that when you look in the mirror, that's not you, right? That's not you. You are so much deeper than that. Over the years, this idea has permeated, and we lose touch with it sometimes. But now's the right time of the year for us to try to connect with it again. Not out of shame, not out of guilt. You don't have to leave here and think that somebody told you to go give all your money away. There are plenty of opportunities for you to do that right after you leave the door, right after you, as you walk out of this place. But Paul in Galatians says this, I no longer live. What does he mean by that? Somebody want to tell me? You can shut, it's just bar church. They don't care. They can't even hear you. There's no wrong answer. I, zombies is a wrong answer, actually. I spoke out of turn. Thank you, Spencer. That's right. I, I no longer live. See, the full scripture here says, I no longer live, but Christ lives through me. That I just become a vessel for the spirit of humility and kindness and forgiveness and grace and gentleness. None of the other stuff matters. Years and years after this, St. Augustine said it differently. He said it like this. Thou hast made us for thyself, speaking of God, and our souls are restless till they find their rest in thee. And years and years and years after that, the Reverend Dr. Howard Thurman said this, that out of which life comes, God, is that into which life goes. I want you just to think about that with me for just a second. that out of which life comes is that into which life goes. I think that is the truth that the spirit of us all knows. But we want to cling to the things of this world. And maybe, maybe, maybe it's possible 
that sometimes we just want to use the structures that are given to us and work within them to kind of do what we can. And maybe we're called to break up anything that interferes with our willingness and our ability to reach a level at which we're not just content doing things for people, but we desire to be with them in their pain, in their frustration, in their anguish. Not a space where you have to earn the goodness that your brothers and sisters share with you, but a space where we all get it because we're all kind of sharing a consciousness. And that from which we all come is to where we're all going. This is but a blink. So I will confess, sometimes I get away from that attitude. And I will confess this as well. I wasn't planning to be a pastor in my life. That was not on my roadmap. <laughs> that is not why I went to law school. And that's not why I worked as a trial lawyer for 23 years. I did not intend to be here. And maybe you didn't think you would be where you are. Or maybe you did. But wherever you find yourself today, I want to ask you, not with a sense of pressure, not with a sense of guilt and shame, but with a sense of awareness to just make yourself think, am I giving what I can? Where am I supposed to be and what am I supposed to do? Not because it makes me feel good, but because my life is not my own. Pray with me and then I'll let you get out of here. Dear God, I'm so thankful for a community of people who would show up on this Thursday night and sit and listen with open hearts and open minds. I'm thankful for the people who make this work each week. And I just ask you to help us. Help us to live with an awareness. Help us to awaken, not just to who we are, but to whose we are, that we are yours. And in being yours, that we also belong to each other. Help us to believe that and help us to live out our purpose in that way, that we might not be content just serving people, not just doing things for people, but being present, but listening, but dropping our ego and finding a place of deep patience and understanding with our brothers and our sisters and our siblings 
during this time of the year that calls us to an awakening and calls us to make space, to make room for Christ. In all your holy names we pray, amen. That's it for 2020, y'all. We are done, and I know that was probably a heavy way to go out. Sorry about that. Um, But I'm so thankful for you being here tonight. I love you guys. I love this space, and I am going to miss this space until we get to come back. I hope that you will join us online on Thursday nights because i got to tell you, it's better with you. (laughs) It's just better with you. So please, follow us online. Follow us on Facebook. Join us on Thursdays. Join us on Sundays. Stay connected with your church, and I hope to see you around soon and back here, like we said, sooner rather than later. Have a great weekend, everybody.